Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee, and I dare say this morning you'll need it, and or your tea. Coffee or tea, you'll need them. Sit back, relax. Let's talk about the week ahead, because it's a big week. I couldn't help myself when I was writing up the week. It seemed like it was one long new beginning and a new beginning that comes in many different ways this week. So I, I'm going to wait a little bit into the broadcast to break all that down because I want to make sure everybody who wants to hear it live uh, is able to make it to the broadcast. Uh, so we'll start this morning by just kind of talking about where's the moon right now. That is always a good place to start. I see people checking in with us already. Good morning, Treat Yourself or Julie. Uh, it's great to see you. Uh, Christine, good morning. Tom, hello and welcome back. It's good to have you with us. And I'm sure there are others out there that will join us shortly. So this is a big week, everybody. We are uh we are looking at a long train of new things right starting with the new human design week this morning already right uh with spring springing here in the northern hemisphere fall springing fall falling for those of you in the southern hemisphere the equinox time a time of huge new beginnings followed on tuesday by the new moon and then on Thursday by Pluto's move into Aquarius. And then on Saturday by Mars moving finally out of Gemini and into Cancer. It feels to me like we are breaching into new territory day after day this week. And likely we're all going to feel that personally as well as see it on the collective screen. Now, does that mean that everything happens like boom and you know, you're know you in a new world or you're in a new beginning? No, not necessarily. We're gonna talk a little bit about that as well, uh, especially uh, that shows up in the Sabian symbol for the day of the new moon uh, or for the degree of the new moon. All right, good morning, Corey and Nico and Let's dive in, shall we? Let's talk about what the moon does when she is in Pisces. So the moon represents our inner self, right? Our inner and our emotional uh, and more intuitive selves or instinctual selves, right? The, the part of us that, you know, knows how to carry on uh, with whatever is going on in the outer world, not necessarily impacting it. But it also shows us where our needs are. And so when the outer world impacts us, the moon will often characterize what it is we need in order to stay stable, right? So that might mean we instinctively bring our family around us, or maybe we instinctively uh, go out into nature, whatever that is, right? Everybody has a way, a, a sort of coping mechanism, if you will, uh, for what happens when uh, things go wrong. And the moon is often showing us what that's about. Uh, so <clears throat> today with the moon in Pisces preparing to uh, move, you know, make that move into Aries uh, as we go into tomorrow. And when the moon is in Pisces, we are filled with imagination and imagery, right? There's a lot of symbols and symbolic meanings that we might find that are being shown to us in some way. 
Uh, it might be through angel numbers. <clears throat> I certainly have seen a lot of those over the last uh, few days. Uh, the number four, four, and four, right? That's been the one I've noticed three, three, and three. Someone yesterday at a birthday party actually called my attention to the fact it was three, three, three. And I went, whoa, I didn't even know you knew about numbers. <clears throat> but I guess we all kind of notice when those things are happening. So there might be other things like dreams, right? Your dreams may be very profound. Uh, all of these different things kind of tell us uh, that we're become, we are more sensitive right now. And there's sort of the dreaminess that we might be feeling, right? The moon being in Pisces on a Monday, I feel like kind of drags us a little bit, right? It was hard to get out of bed this morning, trying to pull myself away from sleep uh, because it was nice and warm and cozy. And why do I want to get up and get dressed and do all that day stuff? Uh, and a, a sort of overwhelm can take place in within us as well. Um, Pisces energy is very sensitive. So we're picking up not only on our own stuff, but on other people's things as well, or on the collective anxieties and things like that. I've already heard from people this morning talking about anxiety and why is it that I'm feeling this way uh, and uh, anxious over small things, minuscule things, things that have not yet come to pass, things that might or might not happen as this person goes down into the future. So we, we want to watch for that kind of feeling. Pisces has a tendency to go into victimhood. And the, the victim is that, you know, I am always seemingly the victim of things, right? That instead of being uh, able to respond, to things that are happening, there's the succumbing feeling, right? I, I'm at the victim end of this. I don't have any uh, power here, that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll wanna watch for that. Now with sensitivity, we also have a loss of boundaries, right? P Pisces kind of blurs those boundaries. Uh, it was interesting because as I was thinking about Saturn in Pisces, you know, the whole idea of walls coming down. And the biggest wall, of course, is fear. And it is often our imaginations more than anything real that triggers our fear, right? As we're imagining, what's it going to be like if this happens? What's it going to be like when I go to do that new thing, right? So how's it going to look if I don't succeed those kinds of things pisces very sensitive to all of the angles if you will including you know the positive ones but often the more uh loss feelings come up or the ones where i don't win or the ones where uh i fail in some way shape or form and then that kind of triggers that victimhood and keeps perpetuating fear on the planet but fear within yourself so we have a grand opportunity to release ourselves from all of that when the moon is moving through the sign of pisces but this is also a sign that is entirely compassionate compassionate toward their fellow human beings toward the the animals on the planet uh, to all the sentient beings on the planet in fact this is a sign that actually sees everything as having some sort of sentience to it whether it's a plant or an animal a rock a mineral uh, the air the el other elements water etc and that, that kind of triggers the more mystical nature of piscean energy the um the, the unseen helpers kind of aspects of Piscean energy. 
So it's a beautiful sign. It is a beautiful placement for the moon. We may all be feeling more intuitive or more uh, psychic, if you want to call it that, uh, more aware and in tune to things unseen, to the unseen realm, right? To the the uh, otherworldliness of this world. <laughs> uh, divine guidance is also something that we can tap into very deeply with the moon in Pisces. That might be through your own guides, uh, your spirit guides, or maybe through uh, your loved ones who've passed over or just your own connection to uh, your higher self. So it is very keenly um, uh, a sign, especially in the latter degrees. And of course, that's pretty much where the moon is, where we're really picking up that guidance from the other side. But of course, we have to watch out for the victimhood, right? The victim energy for being or feeling helpless, for letting that helplessness lead us into anxiety or stress, and also surrendering uh, to others, we want to make sure we have appropriate boundaries. The boundarylessness of Pisces can be a problem. And then uh, this is a sign also where we deal with our addictions, whatever that might be. Maybe you're addicted to your cellular device. Maybe you're addicted to drugs or alcohol. Those kinds of things are addicted to gambling, addicted to television, whatever it is, right? We deal with um, the addictions might become very obvious to us or a problem for us while the moon is moving through Piscean energy. So, and this is like the lead in to what comes next, right? Today is this day where everything begins to change. It's already changing, right? We've already got this energy of new beginnings with the, the new human design week. And then we also have uh, the spring equinox, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, spring is always the time of renewal. It is the time where, you know, the, the trees begin to bud, the leaves begin to pop out, flowers start to bloom, or at least the buds of flowers we see. Uh, all of this, you know, we get this idea of it being a fertile time, a creative time. And when we have that energy, it's about the possibilities of what comes next. What can we do? right? What else can we do? Who else can we be? And as well, the down below the equator, of course, those people are experiencing the fall equinox. It's still an equinox period of time. It's still occurring at zero Aries. They just experience it from a different point of view, right? They're experiencing it from what is an ending, perhaps, that leads to a new beginning, uh, while we're still we're we're completing something as well in order to have the new beginning for us it looks a little bit different than it does for those people down under. All right, uh, so good morning Pam Zarubo and Nico Nico Vasquez Corey it's good to have you with us. Pam says everyone born under the balsamic moon and planning uh, my first balsamic ritual and getting moon water. Love learning new things. That's fun. That sounds like a, a nice thing to do. Uh, so I guess that means that you were born on a balsamic moon too, right? Uh, balsamic meaning the ending of the moon cycle just before it's new, right? So it's bringing everything into completion uh, from the previous moon cycle. That's the balsamic phase. Uh, the dark of the moon, I think sometimes they call it as well. So we're leading ourselves into the new. So here we are at the spring 
equinox or the equinox time with a new beginning and Aries being the opening act to all of this new beginning. Now, I did something a little different this week when I posted up the newsletter. I looked at the Aries new moon and air, I mean, the spring equinox as a gateway to what could happen over the next three months, right? The season. Well, as it turns out, we're actually looking at from equinox to equinox, which is six months, right? So what could happen over the next six months? And this is what we would call a mundane astrology chart, right? It's not really a person. I based it on a Washington DC ingress of, uh, of Aries energy, because I'm kind of practicing this. I kind of like doing this kind of thing, looking at an entity, a, a, na a national figure, a nation itself, or an event, and then being able to see outward from there as to how that impacts us for the year ahead or for this period ahead, right? What are the deeper meanings to things like that? And I know a couple of you have you know, asked me uh, to do things like this. So I... I'm, I'm aspiring to this. Okay. So uh, when you read the what's up in the stars for the week, you're going to see the very first part that we talk about is going to be what is based on mundane astrology. And because I live in the USA, nothing against anybody else in any other country, I used Washington DC as the chart and looked at the events, the challenges and things like that, that may come up for us over the next six month period of time. So when you read this week's newsletter, if you read this, this week's newsletter, you're going to see that that's what I really focused on. And it's because that Aries ingress, ingress is just a word that means moving into. So the Aries ingress tells us a lot about the events for the year or for the whole astrological year is this is the um, new year, right? The, Zodi the Zodiac's new year. And we have this, it's, it's not always that we have, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember back when, if there was ever a time where the spring equinox fell at the, the almost the same degree within just minutes of the same degree as the new moon. So we have like a ramped up double whammy new beginning. So if we waste our time here and we don't start something new or we don't get take movement or take steps forward, uh, we're, we're actually not using this energy to the highest and best. Now, when we set a chart for a time period, right? So we're looking ahead. Uh, in this case, as I said, we're looking ahead at six months from equinox to equinox. The thing that stood out to me the most was that there are a number of planets in the eighth house and the eighth house of the chart can show death and rebirth, right? It can show regenerative uh, energy. It can tr show transformational energy, but also because the sun is in that eighth house of the USA chart, we might represent, it might represent the leader of the nation passing away, a, a leader or a prominent figure of the nation passing away. Now, I don't expect, I'm not saying that, you know, our current president is going to die, not at all, but I did remember that Jimmy Carter, a previous US president, was sent home to hospice care a few weeks ago. So is that something that we see, the death of a president, right? That That is always uh, something that the whole nation comes together for. 
Uh, and that type of thing is something that we watch, right? We'll be watching for that within. And that would be no big surprise, really, if he's in hospice. That tells you usually, um, you know, there's just a few months left in that person's life. Uh, but because the sun is also in conjunct to the south node during the equinox, uh, the past, right? That's what the south node represents. Uh, does the death of an important figure also create a pathway to a new beginning for us? The launching, I'm hoping of, and I'm sure a lot of people in this uh, country are hoping, the launching of a set of younger leaders, right? Jumping into uh, leadership roles. So we shall see, right? But that's how I looked at that. Mercury is also in the eighth house of the spring equinox chart, and he represents communication and transportation. Uh, he also represents the younger people, and this is of a nation, right? When we're looking at a chart of a nation. He also represents the teachers of a nation, and his presence in the house uh, the eighth house then supports the idea that we're moving toward a younger set of leaders, a younger set of people who will lead the nation with newer ideals, with newer um, uh, ideas and possibilities as time goes on. We may also see some changes in things like markets and supply chains and transportation is a part of that, where it's it might become you know, a change where things have been so slow, moving back to a more normal, maybe transportation flow. I've also noticed a lot of train derailments with this. And so there may be this need as a nation to go back to looking at the infrastructure of things like railways. We just had one, like, I mean, just a few miles away, uh, a diesel engine, two pair of, of engines derailed on very sensitive land, right? Leading to the waterway, uh, leading to Padilla Bay and uh, 5,000 gallons of diesel leaked out of the engine. Luckily it leaked on the, the land side and not into the water, but you know how it rains here a lot. <laughs> Today it's raining, so that's getting washed into the water, but at least it gave them a few days to try to sop up the mess. And again, you know, there, you know, this one is not major in the way that the Ohio train derailment was, but I think it we see a pattern of perhaps the infrastructure supporting the transportation under attack or in some way aging and falling apart and are needing to take and deal with that. Jupiter and Chiron during the new uh, spring equinox are within two degrees of their uh, coming together, their, uh, their conjunction on March 12th. So the opportunity for us to take a look again at the natural world and our part in it and seeing ourselves as more part of the natural world is huge during this next six month period of time. I also noticed that Jupiter in um, mundane astrology also rules the courts and uh, the, the laws of the lands, if you will, like the, the high court. So in our country, that would be the Supreme Court. And I noticed that there are several decisions that uh, the Supreme Court are taking up and it'll be interesting to see how that comes about. Um, the developments we see now may help us deal with uh, some form of healing, perhaps, of, of some of the breaches in this country. Um, maybe we'll be open to more tradition, maybe blending tradition and new ways of doing things. 
We'll have to see how that goes. But it's also decisions that could create more conflict between peoples, uh, as we still see, you know, Jupiter and Chiron kind of in opposing uh, interests, right? Jupiter, the more intellectual, and Chiron, the more natural world. And then lastly, we have Eris in Aries in the eighth house. She shows us that the whole con, con, uh, uh, conflict between marginalized peoples, races, sexual orientation, etc., is not uh, solved yet. Um, we're still dealing with this as a nation. Uh, I'm thinking this is something that is being dealt with around the world as well. So we are going to probably still see issues in this next six months around those kinds of deals, right? Race, sexual orientation, uh, political affiliation, religious intolerances, that type of thing. Now, the moon, I saved her until last because the moon is really what the mood of the people is. So the public in a chart like this, that's what the moon is going to represent. So she's going to show us what the public is, how we are feeling, how we the people are feeling. And at the Aries ingress, the moon is in Pisces, right? So today uh, at 2.25 p.m. West Coast time, 5.25 p.m. for you all on the East Coast of the USA, that is when the Aries ingress occurs. So the moon will still be in Pisces at that time. And I kind of feel like that's us being world weary. We're weary. We're confused. We're tired. We're sick of the conflict, right? We really want to solve things and to see how we can move forward. We've lost faith in our government in our systems, and in our institutions. They've been under attack the whole time that Pluto's been a Capricorn and all the weaknesses that could be shown have been shown. And then there have been no solutions, right? The solutions have been minuscule. So we are looking to, as a people, maybe reestablish a more compassionate sensitivity to one another, kind of being more inclusive and, and more tolerant that's the mood of the people. Now, as the USA is leading into what will become the next political season, right? You, you can already see people throwing in their hats for uh, running for president. So far, Trump and so far, uh, Marianne Williamson. And uh, you know that probably Biden is also going to be in that and who knows who else. But as we lead into this next election cycle, uh, expect the candidates who can clearly articulate how they're going to find solutions, how they're, what their solutions. And if you guys are political out there and you're listening, this is your key, right? We want to hear about how you're going to help solve problems, how you're going to bring peace, how you're going to bring cooperation. And uh, then you will gain that foothold in the public. Now, I also looked at a few other planets just kind of on the side, Saturn and Pisces. Uh, rules things in, in um, a mundane chart, uh, issues around the elderly or mines and conservation. They're the topics that might come up over the next uh, six months. We already have seen how in France, they the government unilaterally decides to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. Uh, you bet your bottom dollar it's going to be taken up in this country as well. I'm already hearing, you know, things like that out there. 
Um, and so we'll see those topics rear their ugly heads, perhaps. Uranus in an ingress chart like this speaks to the technology of the nation or of the group that we're dealing with, the unruly events like demonstrations or uh, political activism and that type of thing. Um, changes in the weather. And with Uranus in Taurus, it's a sign that rules banks and banking, uh, money, flow of money and the economy. I expect we're going to have some other surprises yet to come uh, with unrest in the financial sector. Maybe initially with because Venus is also in the eighth house <laughs> and in Aries. Well, no, she's actually in Taurus, excuse me, because Venus is in Taurus, at least initially. I think we'll have, you know, a little bit of a smoothing out of the inflationary effects. Uh, but don't expect that to last. I just don't expect that to last. With the preponderance of planets in Aries, uh, I feel like we're going to see some, you know, things rising in prices still. Um, Venus, who rules Taurus, therefore banking, money, and finances, is conjunct the North Node uh, in the ninth house of the ingress chart. That makes me think about the impact of the dollar versus foreign dollars, right? How do we gauge whether the dollar is holding its own? Is it inflated against other currencies, which rule sometimes cause inflation factors and other pressures on the economy to come to bear? So for the next few months, I think we maybe have this little cooling off. And then if we don't find really good solutions, we may see um, <clears throat> another uh, hit to the economy at some point later on, perhaps in the fall, the northern hemisphere fall, um, maybe, you know, we have until May or June for some of this uh, better flow. But then we also have Venus in retrograde over the summer. So that's going to put more pressure on finances and money. So we'll just have to see how all that plays out. Neptune and Pisces programs that support the well-being of all of the disadvantaged uh, populations could be re uh, developed or brought up to the surface again. Neptune also rules drugs and uh, drug companies and drug problems in a nation. So maybe we'll see some pressure, it looks like maybe to drop uh, drug prices. Uh, maybe there'll be, you know, technologies that bring new, new drugs into more natural uh, remedies into the forefront. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And then lastly, the suns, uh, in conjunction to the south node and the sun in a sextile to Pluto uh, in the ingress, the Aries ingress spring equinox chart, makes me think that we may struggle creating something new. And in conjunct always has to be adjusted. It brings, it's also called a quincunx. It need, we need to make adjustments during a time period like this. We have to cooperate in a way that we're not often willing to cooperate. And often it involves sacrifice of some sort. So what might we need to sacrifice in order to be able to move forward to make things work? Um, so we may have trouble, I think, because it's the south node that's the receiving end of the inconjunct of the sun, uh, that we may have trouble letting go of the past. So we may st still struggle with letting go of the excess baggage, right? The stuff, the go, the need that we seem to want to feel about going backwards in time, right? To create something that is long gone, right? Instead of looking forward, we want to look back. So we will have some difficulties bringing in something new 
if we're not willing to do the things to let go of the past, the past is dead, right? It's gone. So we may have some trouble. We'll see how that plays out in the bigger, wider world. <laughs> Hard to predict how all these things will happen. And I also uh, wanted to note that our friends to the north here, Canada, uh, while your chart is completely different from the USA's chart, the timing and placement of the new moon and the spring equinox is very similar because our capitals are you know within a, a certain amount a band of uh, latitude that can see that it might also impact canada in the same way as the usa not in exactly the same way but similarly so there we have that now, something else jumped out at me this morning as I was putting all of this together. It was a memory, actually, right, of um, something we talked about briefly uh, with Tam on uh, March 1st when we were talking about what lies ahead of us for the month of March. And that was that I realized that Metis, a goddess in uh, mythology, in, in uh, uh, Roman mythology, Greek and Roman, Greco-Roman, let's call it, uh, mythology, would be conjunct the sun on the spring equinox and in the new moon, right? So they're traveling in lockstep right now, which made me want to go back to the mythology of Metis. So I looked a little bit deeper into that, and I wanted to share this with you because I think you're going to recognize some uh, things that are similar to other mythologies that we've talked about. So first of all, Metis was discovered on April 27th of 1848. Now, that date should mean something to you because it was on April 25th, 1848, when France went into a revolution, right? There was a, the, the energy of revolution coincided with Metis's discovery. So whenever astrologers get involved with looking at what an asteroid or planet's discovery is, we're looking at how does it relate to what's going on, like what's busting into our consciousness at that time. So the discovery of a new planet or an asteroid or a body, a centaur, a trans-Neptunian object, whatever it is that we discover is related to the consciousness that's evolving into the awareness of the people, right, or of the planet. So this energy of revolution is locked up in the myth of Metis as it was discovered during a, a very powerful time of revolution. Now, Metis in Greco-Roman mythology tutored Zeus or Jupiter, right? So Jupiter in astrology, Zeus in the mythology, and she was preparing him to overthrow Kronos, Saturn. Right. So she was preparing him. She was teaching him, giving him all the tools, all the wisdom, all the cunning, all the strategic knowledge that he would need in order to overthrow who his father, Kronos, right, or Saturn. Now, remember, in the mythology, Kronos, Saturn ate his children, except for Jupiter. He missed Jupiter. Right. Jupiter was hidden away. Uh, but Kronos ate Demeter, Hestia, Hera, Hades, Poseidon. <laughs> and then. Right. He didn't because there was a prophecy, a prophecy that said that one of his children would take control, wrest power away from Saturn. And so he ate them so that they couldn't do that. But he missed one. He missed the most important one. Right now, um, in this case, Metis gives Jupiter Zeus the poison that causes Kronos Saturn to uh, cough up 
all of his children. And a revolution then ensues amongst the gods, right? Because the power of the Titans, i.e. the children that Saturn had eaten, outweigh Kronos, Saturn's power. So they create this revolution, a revolution of the people. No more of this authoritarian Saturn rulership. It's now power to the people, right? The people in this case happen to be gods and goddesses, but it doesn't matter. It's the power to the people. That's the key, right? Power to the people. Now, Metis, she as a goddess represents cunningness, right? She has that cunning, planning, strategic kind of mind that scheming even scheming planning how do i how do we do this how do we make this change um she's kind of an undercover anarchist those are my words that's not necessarily astrological but that's what she reminds me of is this undercover kind of uh change agent working behind the scenes to make sure the revolution happens and that it moves things ahead now in the myth Metis, after this whole um, war or revolution occurs, falls in love with Zeus, Jupiter, and then conceives a child. Now, Jupiter, this is like how history repeats itself. Jupiter then hears of a prophecy that somewhere a child would usurp his power. So he decides that before he allows this child to be born, he is going to do away with Metis. Hmm. So he turns her into a fly. He turns himself into a lizard and he eats her. He eats Metis, who is now pregnant with Athena, a child. So now she has to get back at him. She has to get Metis. She's going to create another revolution here. Now, how is she going to do that, right? She's been eaten. So she gets back at him, Zeus, Jupiter, by creating Athena. She takes pieces of Zeus's bones and his sinews and his organs, and he she creates this armor for the goddess Athena. And then Zeus, Jupiter, begins to have these horrible migraines, these horrible headaches, and the other gods and goddesses that are a part of the pantheon, they are in a little bit of fear and worry around what is happening to our, you know, Zeus, our leader. And so they um, they decide to get Hephaestus, another god, the god of metal working, to create an axe that would cleave Zeus's head and relieve him of the pain that of, of whatever is going on. So, uh, so Athena, is born after they take the axe and cleave Zeus's head, Jupiter's head, and uh, Metis stays inside of Zeus, stays inside of Jupiter, while Athena busts out of Zeus, fully formed, fully armored, fully wise, right? The wise goddess, the wisdom goddess, the goddess of, of the feminine power is born from Jupiter. And Metis, by the way, who stays within Zeus, then becomes a sort of guide to him, kind of reining in some of Jupiter Zeus's most horrible attributes, which is the over expansion, right? The over uh, um, command of the outer world. And she kind of keeps him in, in a more um, 
controlled way, right? She, she'll whisper in his ear or she'll whisper, you know, what strategy to use. So it's such an, an interesting mythology when you think about all the different themes that are showing up. There's this revolution. There's this overthrowing of time, right? Saturn rules time, time in the past, but he also rules time in the future. But when we're looking at this mythology, we're seeing that, you know, he's being held, he's holding back. He's right. And he needs to be overthrown. So he's overthrown in favor of Jupiter, which is more uh, uh, progressive, more leaning toward the future, more uh, embodying of optimism and largesse, magnanimity, flow, abundance, freedom. He, he, you know, kind of moves us in this direction. And then when you look at how it is perched here historically for us in this conjunction, both of these bodies, by the way, Sun and Metis, their conjunction first right now today is at 29 degrees of Pisces. So that conjunction today is all about taking all its karmic, it's a karmic degree, all of the Piscean lessons. And have we learned them? Have we learned them before we carry on into what tomorrow at the new moon becomes the sun, Metis, and the moon at zero degrees of Aries? So this is why I also think that there's this lag in our new beginning energy. Yes, we have tons of possibilities. We have tons of new beginnings possible for us this week. But there's something we have to clean up first. It might be a fear, a block, or a restriction that we need to clear out of the way before we can move forward. It might mean that we have to bring some closure to something first before we're able to really embrace that new beginning. So I think the mythology of the time, the direction that all these planets are moving in, tells us that we are needing to finish something first. What are we finishing? What do we have to let go of? That might be even better. I noted there were other planets at 29 degrees today as well. Sedna. Sedna is an Inuit goddess, and she represents our maturing, right? How, how out of immaturity, we move to maturity. How do we mature as a species, but also, you know, as individuals, how do we grow ourselves, right? So there's all of that in there. Uh, Pluto is also at 29 degrees of Capricorn. We have a lot of energy of closing up to do in order to embrace and accept this new beginning that's all with us. Now, I also noted that that Mars is at 27.39 degrees of Gemini, so very close to that ending as well, closing up a cycle. So in very... Um, infinity symbol sort of way we have this or Ouroboros may be more appropriate the ending that is being eaten by the new beginning but the new beginning needing to have the ending first it's just like the heavens showing us exactly what needs to be done down here now when we look at the new moon then the Aries opening act of this season um, is tied up with the new moon. It just so happens that the new moon and spring sort of coincide this year, which again, I can't remember when that's ever happened. This is about desire and the desire to move forward, the desire for something new, the desire to create, to have, to move, to rebirth, all of these different desires. And then it's action toward the desire. 
right? Action toward the desire. When I looked up the Sabian symbol, this is what the Sabian symbol said. A woman just risen from the sea. A seal is embracing her. And it really speaks to the emergence of new forms, of new potentials, of consciousness, new consciousness, right? The emergence of it. And yet every new beginning is tenuous. Every new beginning, right? There's always this, that maybe the fear that comes from the new beginning is, will I succeed? Will it succeed? Or will it fail? And that is almost the very first dilemma that we come up against when we start something new. Is it going to succeed? So we also have the impulse to be different, the impulse to be or to differentiate, I guess, is how I would put that, to pull our uniqueness out and really embrace our authenticity, our own personal authority as we move forward. And in that differentiation, are we able to succeed at that? Are we able to pull ourselves out and or do something new that is really new and different? And will it be able to grow legs? Or do we sabotage ourselves, right, in that new beginning and create a path to failure, right? Here we have, it's like stepping on the brink, but it's not quite yet set, right? When we plant a seed, and this is seed planting time. When we plant a seed, we don't, we hope it's going to grow, right? We hope that it's going to germinate and then it's going to pop up above the soil and it's going to grow to its fullness and it's going to flower or bear fruit or whatever it is that's contained in the seed. But we don't know it when we plant it. So it also shows us a time where we have to have a little bit of faith, faith in ourselves, faith in the seed that we're planting. And there's a bit of innocence attached to all of this right? That innocence is that fresh start. It's that we don't have any preconceived notion of what should be, right? It's all potential. And uh, it's unattached to consequence. That's the need to be unattached to the consequence, to have that faith, inherent trust. And also brings us into becoming honest and sincere in our efforts, whatever it is that we do. Now, this is also echoed in the Human Design Week. The Human Design Week, of course, already in effect starting this morning with the sun at the gate 25, which is called the gate of universal love, sometimes called the gate of spirit, the love of spirit, a lot of different names. But this is a gate that is really about really understanding divine love and the being the embodiment of divine love. In that energy, it's innocent. Right. We have, if you read up on this in the gene keys, you see it is the energy of universal love. It is acceptance of what is. It is constriction in its lowest energy where we are holding back, where we keep something tied up or caught up. We don't express it in a way that is loving. And instead, we're fighting against the tides of what is happening instead of being in acceptance of where things are now and then preparing for what comes next, right? We can't keep digging up the seed and looking to see if the roots are coming out. If we do, we're going to kill the plant, right? We kill the potential. Uh, so we want to be aware of all of the consequences of our actions, but we also want to take action. If we just sit around, 
not doing anything, nothing is going to happen, right? So we have to make change. We have to do things. Good morning to you, Asa. She says, like the fool card. And that's exactly what it has always reminded me of. Zero Aries always reminds me of the fool card, right? There's this bit of innocence. He's about to step off the cliff. He's about to plunge into a new realm, perhaps, a new way of being, perhaps. Maybe he's plunging to his death. We just don't know, right? And for all of us as humans, death is one of our most feared things, right? If you read the gene keys, you know, underlying almost every shadow in the gene keys is traced back to our fear of death, our fear of nothingness, right? Our fear of being annihilated, right? Annihilation. So taking that next step, right, can be a fear of annihilation. Am I going to die? Is my business going to die? Is my relationship going to die? Is that job going to die? Whatever it is, we might have that as an underlying fear, but it should not stop us from taking those next steps, right? Because it's all potential, hmm. potential. So, okay, then we get to the new moon, and the new moon is a, actually a very beautiful moon with a couple of um, difficulties, of course, only because we have, you know, other planets playing in the new moon. And the new moon to me was most interesting, I think, because of uh, the Metis myth, right? That that whole idea of, the, of Metis and the sun in lockstep moving out of Pisces and into Aries to meet the moon, to meet the other half of ourselves, right? The outer expression and the inner expression, the heavenly expression, the earthly expression, the divine, the human, right? All of these things coming together. It's just, uh, a, I don't know, to me, it's just striking. I don't know. Are you guys being struck by this? <laughs> I mean, I looked at it and went, wow. And, uh, I, I, I got to hear from you guys. So let me go back and talk to some of you out there before I go on into more about the new moon. Uh, good morning, Pauline. Hello, JLo. Uh, cool numbers for the new moon. Uh, yep. There, so I have the new moon sitting at 1.23 p.m. Uh, that is in Washington, D.C., East Coast time. So 1.23. I love that. It's going to be 10:23 for us on the west coast which is still one two three if you just bring out take out the zero right um, so it's all kind of fun there uh hello julie kiss and pauline says yes as an individual need to connect balance divine feminine and masculine within to connect to the divine within um, balance must be awakened in the collective. Absolutely. Loving light. Good morning to you, Andy. It's great to see you out there. I'm glad you're with us today. Pauline says all these Pisces planets are regarding COVID and other virus. Will truth come out? I, you know, here's the thing. I don't think it really freaking matters because it's a done deal, right? It's been here. It, now we have to deal with what has happened. Right. It doesn't really do us any good to keep continuing to discover who or what or why the harm came. Right. It happened. Live in that truth. Right. Live in that truth and move forward from there. What do we do once we do? And we will find out. Right. There it, it, it will find be discovered what happened. But we can't keep that is a, that is a, a, a device holding us to the past. It's still holding us to the past. Right. Because in some ways, what we want to do is we want to blame. We want to make somebody else responsible. 
But the fact is, we've all co-created this reality. And if that's true, we can't pick and choose what we've co-created. Everything has been co-created by all of us here on the planet. So yay, though, you didn't go to Wuhan, perhaps, and, and spill that virus out into the world, if that's where it started from. You were equally responsible on some level. All of us were for allowing this to have happened, to for creating the fear field where this could happen. So if that's true, then it's also true that we also hold the key to reversing it or to making it better, to healing it, to moving ahead. So we, we, can't, we can't continue to do exactly what it is that you're describing there, which is to blame other people or other circumstances for what's happened. We have to just embrace it. It happened, right? It happened, right? We've had COVID. And now what do we do about it, right? How do we create post-COVID, right? How do we create that? And then how do we maybe find a solution that allows us to not have another emergence of a virus like that? Maybe we have to underlie the underlying thing that we have to heal is our need to kill one another, right? That we're so fearful of the other that we have to create biological weapons or chemical weapons or war machines or bombs to kill one another, right? So again, we're all a part of this because we're all tapped into that fear. We're all tapped into that mentality. And until we each begin to heal that within ourselves, we won't really see the change that we want in the outer world. So we can always begin by being a little more detached from, let's say in this instance, COVID, right? It doesn't mean that people didn't suffer. It doesn't mean that other people didn't plot its existence. It doesn't take away any of that. It just says, I'm going to detach from the blame for that. I'm going to detach from making someone guilty for that. I'm just detaching. It's just information. And what is it showing me about me? What is it showing me about my own fears? What is it showing me about where I go from here? Be responsible, right? That's the whole key. That's the big change that needs to happen. That's the fear wall that needs to come down from Saturn's transit in Pisces, right? The fear wall. And of course, Pluto's emergence this week into Aquarius, which sets the tone for a new world, a new way of being. I'm really calling it the, the dawning of the age of Aquarius here, even though the song was written years ago. <laughs> and the idea of an Aquarian age is age old. Um, the idea of it really happening, I think, is being shown to us at this moment while with Pluto's move into the sign. All right. So I kind of got on my little soapbox. I apologize for that. Um, let's go back to the comments here. Uh, Adam, good morning. Originally, Earth Day was supposed to be today. I think that would have been excellent, right? Because it makes sense. Big money changed it to make it political and to prevent public awareness of our mutual interest in land. Fascinating. Kajella, good morning. And it's good to see you. Tom, people of Ireland, France, German Confederation, Hungary, Italian, Denmark, Moldavia, Wallachia, Poland, and other smaller in Sweden, Switzerland, Serbia, Ottoman Empire, and Habsburg Empire. Not sure what you're talking about there, Tom. I think I lost the thread. Uh, you might need to let us know what you're thinking. Asa, good morning to the tribe. She says, J-Lo, smileys to you as well. Terry, good morning. It's good to see you. And Asa, I think I had already said yes to you. She said, it's mind-blowing, yes. 
uh, Christine Buckingham, the DNA of raccoon dogs was traced to the Chinese wet market. We need to protect animals and people. Remember, that's part of the Jupiter Chiron mythology as well, right? That that the the natural world was was given to Chiron, right? His rulership is really of the natural world or the the more natural inclinations of Sagittarius energy. And then Jupiter given the more intellectual uh, part of Sagittarian energy. So we have the need to bring the both of them together, right? We have the intellect, we have the uh, inventiveness, the uh, innovative techniques to be able to create the world in a more uh, balanced way. We just have to have the will to do it. That's what's been missing. It's not that we don't know how. It's not that we don't have the technologies because we do. And it's not that we don't have the money. If people want to say that we do, we have to have the will to do it. We have to have the will. So that's what we're looking at here. Uh, But yes, uh, Terry says, yay, Aquarius. Spoken like a true Aquarius. Uh, Okay, so all those countries saw revolutions. Ah, thank you, Tom. I did not know that. That's amazing. All in 1848, right? Revolutions tend to spread. <laughs> they, they spread around the world, right? They spread throughout uh, time and existence. So, and what were they struggling about? There's the, the other key. They weren't just struggling to be struggling. They were the people struggling to break free from the aristocracy, from the nobility, from the ruling, you know, authoritarian governments and moving toward more democratic principles or more inclusive principles. That's always a big struggle on this planet as we are letting go of that more tribal uh, fight for resources and becoming more aware of how we need to work together. These revolutions pop up and uh, J-Lo says a holistic medicine also indeed, right? That's always a possibility. Uh, okay. So I think I got through everybody's comments. If I missed a question that you asked of me, uh, let me know down in the comments. I'll take a look at that. I'll, I'll watch it a little more closely. Uh, okay. What else do I want to talk about? So the rest of the week, we've already talked about the new moon pretty much. Uh, let me see. Is there anything else I shared here? It's about new action, by the way. Aries is always about new action. Note the word new, new action, not just rehashing what we've done in the past, because that if it had worked, we wouldn't even be worried about a new beginning. (laughs) So taking action in an old way isn't preferable. It doesn't work. That would be insanity, right? Beating your head up against a, a wall. Instead, we need to take new action. So wherever Aries is in your natal chart is where new action is required. That is where you want to focus your new beginning energies, right? Um, and it's loaded with possibilities. What could be is how you want to look at that, right? Um, are you stuck in the struggles of the old, right? Trying to keep recreating something whose past is long dead? Or are you running into stumbling blocks that need to be healed in order to move forward? So you've got to push yourself a little bit during this time. You have to be bold. There's boldness that needs to come into play. Now, Boldness can happen in a couple of ways, right? I release fear. I feel the fear and I do it anyway. That is a good way to do it. Or we can just create new strategies, right? New ways of doing things. So that's up to us. 
On Thursday, Pluto moves into Aquarius. We've talked a lot about that. I don't know that I need to say anything more about it except to say it is what I believe will be the most impressive 20-some years in our lives, right, as we move forward in some very powerful ways. But that also means there may be some very interesting struggles that we haven't had to contend with in over 240 years, right? 250 years almost. So what might that look like? And then the final new thing for the week is Mars moving out of Gemini, where he has been for the last seven months. He moved into Gemini on August 20th. And uh, that was seven months ago. Yay, yay, yay. And he will be into, into the sign of cancer from March 25th until May 20th. So he's now back to his typical six to eight week transit of a sign. And while he was in Gemini, an air sign, there was a lot of possibilities, right? Fire and air, Mars being a fire planet, Gemini being an air sign. They can mutually, the air fans the flames of passions and fans the flames of possibilities. But now Mars moves into Cancer. Cancer is water. A <laughs> little more difficult for Mars to deal with. And that means we will probably be slowing down. So I think even though we have the potential for new beginnings, I don't think it's a race. I think it's a more like paddle boat, right? Gaining speed with your, you pedaling the little paddle boat, right? And, and gaining more and more speed as you go on. So our forward progress would probably need to be more planned, more strategic. Mm, Sun Midas connection, perhaps. And with Mars and Cancer, we take, to, we also tend to take a sort of sideways approach, right? We don't come straight on Saturn, or I mean, um, uh, Mars is straight on, but Cancer as a sign tends to go around, right? Think of the crab, how they kind of sidewise their way down the beach kind of thing. Um, so it is uh, approaching things a little bit differently, not head on so much as, you know, maybe a little more spherical. Uh, as well, we'll have to factor our emotions and our feelings into it because now conflict and emotional uh, reaction versus emotional response is a possibility. Uh, it's not a natural skill of Mars to slow things down. So he can get frustrated and create frustration. So wherever cancer is in your personal chart is where some of that frustration may live as we move forward. All right. So Tom, I am going to grant your wish here. Uh, I'm going to use my new Dream Weavers cards to give us a card for the equinox. And since this is a dream weaving time of year, right, as we're moving from the 29th degree of Pisces toward the zero Aries, what dreams will we weave? Woo! We have... If the fox can't find his tail, <laughs> I can't wait to see what this is all about. If the fox can't find his tail, it's card number 11, which brings in the light, which, which brings in illumination. Uh, let's see what that means. I am not as familiar with this deck, so I can't tell you right off the top of my head yet. All right. The essential meaning of the card for us for the Equinox New Moon, all the newness of the week is about digging deep into your own authentic knowing, avoiding compromise, and avoid chasing your tail. 
If a fox can't find his tail, it might be because he's chasing the wrong things and looking in the wrong direction, one that is unnatural to him. Sometimes you might find yourself compromising to avoid conflict. If you're coming from a place of fear, that may work in the moment, but you may still lose something about yourself in the exchange. You know this deep down, but occasionally you need to be reminded to stay true to your inner knowing so you don't trade your truth in acquiescence, giving in to someone's expectations or perceived dominance just to keep the peace. The same goes for following trends. Oh, everyone appears to be doing it, so you do it too, just to fit in or because you think it looks successful, but it's not sustainable. Now is the time to get clear on your own unique qualities and offerings based on your values. When you do this, it's automatically good for everyone. Don't say yes unless you really mean yes or you'll feel ungrounded. That said, if you're clear that you don't have all the facts, it's okay to change your mind, but only do it if it's right for you. You can ask for more information so you can understand the situation better, avoiding the defensive reaction including any assumptions you may have and aligning better with the idea of win-win. Then you'll stop chasing your tail. You'll come from a gentle, grounded, empowered place. So much good is possible when you do this. There we go. This feels very Aries-like too, right? If the fox can't find his tail, card number 11 for our Equinox Wisdom. All right. That is it for me this morning. Thank you all for joining me. I wish you all a happy equinox, a happy new moon, a happy Pluto into Aquarius, and a happy Mars into Cancer. I will see you all on Friday, and maybe we'll take a little bit deeper look at what the moon in, or I mean, the Mars in Cancer will bring us. Take care, everybody. Bye for now.